Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you Amen, amen, amen. Let's give God some praise. He's worthy. Hallelujah. What a, what a beautiful thing it is to gather together and to be able to pray for families and dedicate children to the Lord. And um, today, as obviously the video shows, we're going to go ahead and, and jump into our series that we're doing. And uh, maybe you're here today and you're like, what was that video about? And uh, maybe it's your first time. Your guest here. It's a series that we're doing. And it's a series titled, Win the World Within. And Thursday, we're, we know what's going to be happening. We're going to be getting together maybe with some friends or your family. And, and hopefully all of you have this place to just get alongside some people. And, and just for a few moments there, just have good conversation and laugh and smile, share stories. And very importantly, eat well too. Yeah. All right? And... And Thanksgiving is one of my favorite uh, holidays. It's probably my favorite one. I, I love Thanksgiving for so many reasons. Um, but, but what a beautiful opportunity we have this Thanksgiving to really show gratitude and Thanksgiving and, and to honor the Lord in being thankful. Um, I think we live in a, in a time where sometimes it's difficult to see that, where we constantly need to be pleased or constantly need to be fed and and, and, and everything needs to be quick, that we don't just stop, pause, and really focus on the importance of, wait a minute, I have so much that I could just sit on right now and think about this and be thankful for. How many of you could say you have so much to be thankful for? All right. So I got a, a lot of, mm-hmm, amens, and then like three hands up. So I, I would say that's a good, all right. I'm guessing that was a good one. But win the world within. So I, I want to talk to you eventually today. We'll get to this. I want to talk about winning in, in this one thing called contentment and to be content and to live a life of contentment. And, and what does that mean for us? And, and, and that's going to start within. But, but I believe we've been challenged in past weeks and we're going to continue to be challenged um, in the weeks to come. I have some, um, a lot of thoughts and a lot of scripture and stuff that I want to unpack in the weeks to come that I think are going to really uh, be a blessing for our house. But... Last week, we, we spoke on this one thing, which is win within. It was, it was, it was kind of like a continuation of an intro, introduction of what this all means and what this all means to us personally, and yet, as we gather. And we looked and we studied through uh, James chapter 4. How many of you were blessed by last week's message? If you're here, amen, it, it was really impactful, and it was, uh, as Scripture says, right? It's a mirror that we look on, and we, and we see what we see when we stare at the mirror. And James 4 really did a work in us. And we covered many things throughout that text. And, and, and we began by admitting this, this very important thing as we read through James 4 and as we continue to unpack what it means to win the world within. And that is that we need to admit that the only way that that is possible is if we begin to live out and walk in honesty. Without honesty, it's hard to win anything. Without honesty, what world are we really going to win within? What world are we really going to win without? It's going to come with deception and lies and cheating. And, in, and, and if we're talking about certain very personal things that are deep within us and we lie and we cheat about those things, 
we're only damaging ourselves. And in damaging ourselves, we damage others that we have relationships with. And we're damaging the name of God and what he wants to do in our lives. So, so we, it needs to start with honesty. Everyone say honesty. And for some people, it's hard to be honest. For some people, it's hard to be transparent or to open up the screen and say, hey, look what my heart says. Look what's going on deep inside of me. But we get scared because when we start speaking about this, like, hey, don't point at me, don't ask me, don't reveal anything in me. Because how many of you, like myself, could say, because you might see some very ugly and shameful things inside that place, huh? I want you to know something, because maybe you're a guest, you're like, man, I don't know, I'm not really a church person, I don't like this church thing. I want you to know this, ready? You are sitting, and if anyone else gets offended, who cares, I'm going to help you out if you're a guest here for the first time. You're sitting amongst people that none of them have it all figured out, and no one's life in this place is perfect. And church is not a place for perfect people. It's not a place for perfect people. It is the place where we gather and we worship a perfect God. But we understand this. So maybe you're here like, I don't know, I came to church because, you know, I kind of was asked and if I don't go, then, you know, amen, I'm glad you're here. Because maybe you've never heard a pastor say that. Maybe another pastor told you that their church was perfect and that he was perfect. I'm here to tell you, I'm the first pastor, (laughs) if you haven't heard this in your life, I'm not perfect and this place is not perfect. And the person sitting behind you or in front of you, trust me, get to know them a little bit. They're not perfect. And because of that, we need more of God's perfection in our lives. So, so I want to make sure we have to be honest. Say honest one more time. Maybe you're sitting there not like, maybe I could be honest here. Good. I want to invite you to at least think about being honest today. I'm not asking you to be honest today. Start thinking about being honest today. Amen? And then we invite you back next week because we're going to get into some very great, awesome, powerful things in honesty. There's no way as we continue to talk about this that... That all of us in here, you know, that, that we could just say, nah, well, I'm okay, everything's well. We need to start with this honesty and say, you know what, maybe there is things in my life that I'm struggling with. So we could talk about some of those things and we could point them out, but we're all struggling with something or we've all struggled with something at some point. And maybe it's a sin or sinful habits that we continue and we know that we should not. And maybe you haven't confessed and you haven't opened up to speaking about honesty about this to someone and the right person. Because it's not necessarily everyone, but in the beginning, especially when you start to talk about things in your life, figure out where the right people are so that they could help you go to what you need to do next and, and guide you and lead you and direct you to what the next thing is. Maybe, maybe you haven't done this in order to walk in accountability so that someone could pray with you and call on you and talk to you about very personal, intimate things. Not just about, hey, did you see the game yesterday? You saw how many points so-and-so scored. Those are all great conversations. But how's your heart? How's your marriage? Come on, how's your sin that you're struggling with? Have you clicked on that page? How is it when your wife goes to bed? What are you doing when your husband leaves the house? What's going on at work with that coworker that started that you were getting tempted with? Can you imagine hearing those things in church? How are you doing with that? Are you still being tempted? In this church, we've told people like, hey, if you, we got to get you to that place, but God might be calling you out of that place. <laughs> Maybe you're not called to work there no more. Oh, man. Hard counsel to give someone. But I'd rather save their marriage than save their job. And get them to the right place and, and figure out, like, what else does this person need to really get the help they need? Come on, stuff that when I'm open and I'm honest, the Yes, the process of pain will start, but it leads, and I mean this, in Christ, it always leads to healing. And I won't ask you to raise your hand, 
because I will be the first person that raises his hand. But if I were to say, are there areas, areas in your life that you need healing in? I'm wondering if you would at least think about being honest and say, yeah, there's areas in my life that I need healing in. So where do I start? Be honest. And we had this conversation, and here it is, that there is an internal work that the Lord is doing in all of us in order to bring to fruition the external work that he desires to demonstrate through us. There's a work in us that's happening because there's a work through us that he wants to accomplish. How many of you can say amen? Remember I said this, and maybe you didn't hear it, and maybe this will be the first time you hear it. Is the world around you affected because the world within is infected? Amen? And in this room, there may be shame. Everyone say shame. shame. Just so that way you don't carry it on yourself. There may be shame. Maybe there's bitterness. Maybe there's hurt. Maybe you've taken advantage of someone or of people in your lives. Or maybe there's someone or people that have taken advantage of you. There's confusion. There's deep prayers that you won't even dare to share out loud or with anyone else. Maybe some of us in here have these prayers that we only share in intimate moments with God. And the Lord knows them very well. And at least, and most important, you are being honest with him. And that's good. That's where you start. Some of you maybe have nights that you lay in bed and you fall asleep with tears. I wonder if I'm speaking to anyone here today. And tears roll out of your eyes as your head is on the pillow. Some of you are battling some deep anxieties. I was so blessed by our thanks a latte. That's why the, the, we decided just to leave the balloons up here. To hear one of our sisters come up here and, and, and to give testimony of her continual victory over anxiety over her life. From medicine, from deep anxiety to now saying... So far, I'm free from anxiety, and this is what I'm doing, and I recognize that if it comes back, I know the steps that I have to take if I start to get anxious again. I mean, what a testimony that was to hear on, on Friday. But some of you are here, and you can relate to that and say, I have deep anxieties, or I'm fighting heavy bouts of depression. I mean, only you know who you are. Maybe there's someone next to you that kind of knows too, and you're like, oh, man, he's, he may be speaking to you. He may be speaking to me. He may be speaking to us. But I want to share this. Imagine, imagine, very important word, just imagine, if we would all be honest here right now, right now in church, in this gathering, if, you, if everyone in here just walks in with honesty, maybe we'd see revival like never before. That's a crazy world to live in. I'm not saying like, let's do it next Sunday because I think the Lord has to prepare people for something like that. If not, it gets very dangerous when you start to say, everyone, start spilling out all your garbage. And everyone starts saying, I'm a this. And then the person next to you wasn't ready for you to say that. <laughs> you guys see what I'm saying? And then they look at you and say, you're a what? And then you're like, oh, I mean, we're in the presence of God. This is the right place to do it. I mean, we have to use <laughs> some sort of wisdom and understand, like, God still has to prepare the field. But can you imagine... If these gatherings, the field was prepared in such a way that we come in here and we say, man, there is nothing to hide. We are a bunch of people that are just honest and this is what you see, this is what you get. But watch how the Lord, man, manifests his glory in our gatherings and when we come together. 
What is it that God's doing in your life in a personal level? What is it that God's doing in your life when you come together? He's doing great and wondrous things. Why? Because there's nothing to hide before his presence. I'm an open book before God and before the people of God. Can you imagine revival like never before just coming on earth and, and destroying Miami Lakes and Hialeah and Miami Dade County going up to Broward County? I mean, people will be like, what is happening there? And it's like God is blessing the open hearts of his children. The Lord may say, well, there they are, empty of themselves, surrendered and fully open and honest. There's the place where, listen to this, where their own strength, your own strength, my own strength cannot move me anymore. I can't take one more step going forward in my own strength. And it's the place now where our weakness, what God says, where their weakness is revealed and exposed, where now my glory and power can manifest and restore and empower and establish their identity in me, my identity in them. What a beautiful thing. All right, I'm going to share two scriptures so we can jump into what it means to be content. But in Proverbs 11.3, as we even open up a thankful life, a satisfied life, in Proverbs 11.3, we have to speak about honesty. And it does say honesty guides good people and dishonesty destroys treacherous people. So there is a call to honesty amongst God's people. And there's a, a call to, to really live in, with integrity. In, in Romans chapter 12, 3, there's a, there's a part there where Paul says something very important. He says, I give each of you this warning. He says, don't think you're any better than what you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. How many of you think that's a great scripture? Be honest with yourself, with with what you see in there and how you evaluate, measuring yourself by the faith of God that he's given us. And here is Paul and he's telling us like, hey, stop thinking that you're something that you're not. And really like be honest as you really dig deep inside and see what's really going on in there. So, so this is so important as we speak about all of this stuff, even in the weeks to come. And, and honesty is something that I'm going to continue like just to touch on, touch on, touch on, touch on, touch on. Because honesty brings freedom. It's going to liberate so I can't talk about freedom in certain things in the world within us if, and ignore that it starts with at least being open and honest. Amen? So we'll continue that in the weeks to come. But as we go on in this theme that we are on, take a moment and just decide in the weeks to come. Come back. Be here next Sunday. Bring someone with you. But decide for yourself this one thing. Will I be honest? Starting right now at I'm going to start thinking about this. And as I come back next week, I'm going to really dig deep into about being honest with God and being honest with myself. Honest with myself. Honest with ourselves. Honest with God and honest with each other. I think that's very important. Uh, in James, actually, in chapter 5, verse 16, and we could really interpret the scripture and go deep into it. But, but look what it just says, and, and, and hopefully you could get a feel for it. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. This is the stuff that I was talking about, like there's a way of doing this. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. You know, that healing, it's not necessarily like I'm praying for this, for God to heal me from this. I think there's just healing when we're able just to confess and speak to each other. And be able to walk alongside each other in our weaknesses. I think that brings a form of healing. 
Even though we may not see a full completed healing over whatever it is that we're praying for. If you've ever walked alongside someone and God has taken you through this, you know exactly what I mean. Like watch this. I struggle with things in my life that I have not necessarily fully been healed from. But because I've opened up about them in such an honest way. In such a way where I said I need to be fully held accountable. There's a part of me that has experienced the healing like never before. Though I have to continue to decide whether I'll be obedient to God and remove myself from that temptation. Anyone with me? All right, that's what I think that scripture really means. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power. It avails much. It produces wonderful results. So as we practice honesty today and focus on honesty in this introduction, I I, want to ask this question as we get into all of this because this is going to lead me to my main thing today. And it's this. Are you, and you can write this on your notes, Please do not ask the person next to you. Just answer it to yourself. Are you a pleasurable person to be with? Come on, be honest. Are you a pleasurable person to be with? You remember when Jesus was doing ministry? I mean, you weren't there, but you've read it, right? The religious people... Wanted to kill him? Amazon. The religious people wanted to kill him. But the crowds continued to grow. And when they were hired by some of these religious people to arrest him, they come back and they're like, man, his words were addicting. This guy was contagious. This guy was amazing. We've never heard him speak like anyone else. John the Baptist was out in the wilderness. In the wilderness. I mean, we asked you guys to come to church in Hialeah Gardens, and it's hard to bring you guys in here. And people were leaving their towns, going to the wilderness to hang out to see what John the Baptist was doing and saying. (laughs) I mean, he was having church in the wild, getting grasshoppers, dipping them in honey and chewing on them. You want some? Dressed up with weird apparel. Before hipsters were hipsters, here's John the Baptist, and it was interesting as he was out in the wilderness, just interesting. He, was, he just dressed different. He spoke different. He, and he drew masses. I, I want to ask you one more time this question. Please be honest with yourself. Are you a pleasurable person to be around? If you can't answer that, don't do it now. I do not want to start a counseling session because you're going to start fighting. But when you go home today with that person that knows you best, or you need to make a phone call with that person, say, hey, am I a pleasurable person Or when you leave from me, like, are you just drained? Are you just exhausted? Like, do you just like, oh, my gosh, they're not pleasurable to be around. I wonder if you could be honest like that today. How many of you are loving this today? (laughs) All right. I know. Why am I sharing this so openly? Because I know that I am not always a pleasurable person to be around. And if my wife was with the kids right now with some of your kids today, she would say it's true. There are many days where Rigo is not pleasurable to be around. So I could say this openly because I'm not speaking about any of you. I'm speaking about me. All right, so let's be honest. So here's a way to find out. Ask yourself this. Am I happy? Do I find the good in things? There's so many things you could really search. Even in times when they're bad, can I see good? Am I content in life? Am I content with what I have with the people that I have around me. Ask yourself some of those things. You could continue to ask yourself other questions, 
Or am I always negative? Am I bitter? Am I always, am I looking towards others, always shifting blame on other things and on others for everything? Am I constantly critiquing? Do I find myself easily frustrated, even borderline miserable at times? Come on, no amens? It's hard to sometimes preach that, you know? And do I, do I realize this? I, I actually highlighted this in my notes. And do I realize that it's not always due to the life that I've been handed, but, but, but it's more because of a mindset that I've given myself into? Think about that for a moment. Oh, my God, but you don't know my life. Right, but, but how's your mind? Have you given into certain things, regardless of the circumstances around you? Come on, I, I guess what I'm trying to tell you is, look within right now as we open up this, this topic of if you're content or not. Look within, look at the world within you. And, and we're going to discuss some of these key things that I just mentioned, these questions, in the next week, in the weeks to come, and especially next week. But, but this is true. A lot of how we feel and a lot in how we treat others is do more to what's wrong or even right with us or in us. And that's the truth. It has nothing to do. When I treat you bad, you want, to be, want me to be honest? It has nothing to do with what you did to me. It has everything that's what's going on inside of me. And that's, that's, I have to come to that reality. That that's what I'm struggling with and that's what I wrestle with each day. But today, in this moment, as we near Thanksgiving, just a few days away, I, I want to share this truth. And it's that the Lord wants us to be content. The Lord wants you to be content. This is a great time to nudge the person next to you and say, the Lord wants you to be content. Are you content? Are we content? I believe that when people come to church and people gather, they want to see not perfect people oh, and pretend like you have it all together, but at least in the misery, in the pain, in the hurt, in the heartache, in the suffering, at least we're people filled with contentment, man. We have the joy of the Lord in our heart and it's contagious that when someone walks in here, they say, I'm suffering. And we could say, I'm suffering too, but my God, do I have joy? Is it found in the strength of the Lord? And, and we could help someone in such a way. Can you imagine if we functioned and lived and walked with such a content heart. Imagine what that would do to someone. Are you content? Contentment is, is a difficult, <clears throat> it can be a difficult pursuit, a, a, diff, a difficult thing to, to get to. And, and we go after what we, we think can make us happy to find out, oh my goodness, I thought this made me happy, but it doesn't work. I think like that all the time with these new iPhones, you know? They're so dumb. Oh, the new one, I get it. A month later, I'm like, it's already old. It's old. The iPhone is old. And it's just like, gosh, it didn't make, it made me happy for the first 24 hours, but I get bored quickly. And after 24 hours, like, when's the next one? It's like, not in two years. And like, geez. I think they come out now once a year. But you, you, but, but whatever it is, some of us, it's deeper things. It's like, I got a boyfriend and he proposed to me. I found this girl and I'm going to propose to her. And you think that finally I'm going to be happy. Be very careful because if you're looking to be happy in someone without finding it first in Christ, when you find out, oh no, I thought you were the goal, you were it. And then God's like, no. 
It was me. It's not her. It's not him. We find something, but then we recognize it doesn't work. I know very well that we can all relate to that because you've done it. Not the girl and the guy thing. I'm just saying you. <laughs> Be careful. I'm just saying you went to something that you thought was going to make you happy, but it didn't work. Ever been there? In fact, we were happier before we even started this quest. It's like the story, I read this, and it's a story of two teardrops. You've ever heard this? All right, I'll share it with you. So two teardrops are floating down the river of life. And one teardrop said to the other, who are you? He says, I'm a teardrop from a girl who loved a man and lost him. She says, who are you? She says, I'm a teardrop from the girl who got him. You think you, you think you found it, but at the end, you're like, I was wrong. It didn't work for me. Content means to be self-sufficient. Listen to this. Content means to be independent. But let me, let me break this down a little bit. Contentment is the state of being happy, but I, but I like this word. It's the state of being satisfied. Content is satisfied. Satisfied. Contentment is an ex, is is it's not like oh my god I'm I'm in a, it's an exciting kind of happy it's not that it's not bubbling with happiness that's not what contentment is you could be a very serious person and be filled with content it's more like a peaceful ease it's a peaceful ease in your spirit in your mind it's being satisfied with what you have whatever it is that you do have contentment is sitting in a place. Where you're sitting across someone that has more than you, but you're not moved by that because you're content with what you have exactly right now in your life. And because of that, you know you're the richest person on earth because at least I have this. I know, isn't that difficult to say? But we're about to answer if we're content people or not today. Some feel that if we have more, if I have more, then I'll be more content. What's the answer to that, church? We've seen by celebrities, we've seen by movie stars, we've seen by many that that's not the answer. We've seen by family, by friends, that just because we could have more doesn't mean we'll be more content. More money, if I could have a kid or more kids, if I could have friends or more friends, if I could go on more vacations, if I could have a bigger house, if I could have a bigger TV, whatever it is, it's so far from the truth. But it's finding happiness, joy in what you already have that breeds pure contentment, being satisfied, being satisfied with what you have. Amen? And for some people, it takes longer for some people, for them to understand and that there, that, that there's, that there are others that will never even get it. Some people, it takes forever. Some will never get it. And what we might need is actually less of this world and just more of God. That's it. More contentment in God. Please listen to this. And less satisfaction in the world. John Piper once taught about that. And he broke down a, a very interesting, in, in a very interesting uh, message, he broke down the purpose of Christian suffering. And in the way that only Piper can do it, he says, this is God's ultimate purpose for Christian suffering. And you're like, what are you going to say next, John? And he says, more contentment in God and less satisfaction in the world. Some say that, I'm going to read a passage from Paul, and some say that this is the secret to a content life. Let's read it, and let's see what God speaks to you. In Philippians 4, as soon as we get to it, you're going to know, oh yeah, I know exactly what verse this is. 
and it, maybe it's your first time hearing it, I pray that it does something in you. Philippians 4, verse 10. Look what it says. He says, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. He's writing to the church in the area of Philippi. And he says, not that I have ever in need for, I have learned, everyone say I've learned. That's a very important part of that verse. I have learned. I have learned. Because it teaches us something there. I have learned. I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. So Paul's basically saying, I had to go through the ringer, you know. I had to go through the process. I had to go through the learning. And, and Paul, as he writes this letter, he's saying, I'm at the point of my life that I have learned. Well, what has he learned? I've learned to be content with whatever it is that I have. Verse 12, I know how to live on almost nothing, and I know how to live with everything. Some of you are like, yeah, but I'd rather have everything. I get it. But everything without contentment in Christ, it's nothing. It's empty. Everything with everything in Christ, good. It's a bonus. It's everything. Nothing with everything in Christ is also everything. Because you're winning within with Christ. So the smallest of things are the greatest victories and blessings for you. And Paul says, I know how to have I know how to live in almost nothing, with almost nothing and with everything. I have learned. He keeps saying, I have learned, I have learned. I think there's a reason why he keeps saying, I have learned. I have learned the secret of living in every situation. Whether it's, it's with a full stomach or whether it's empty. With plenty or with little. And then he says, for I can do, verse 13. Highlight it, know it. I love that he says this verse next. I love that he says this phrase next. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things in Christ who gives me strength. After everything that I've said, I've learned to be all these things with whatever I have. I've learned how to be happy. I've learned how to be content. I can do everything, all things through Christ who gives me strength. Verse 14, even so, you've done well to share with me in my present difficulty. In my present difficulty my present is difficult my present is difficult everyone say my present is difficult I'm not saying that yours is I'm just telling you that when Paul wrote this his was his present was what church not easy imprisonment Roman imprisonment you with me he says my my current location my current status I don't know if you've checked my, my bio yet on Instagram or on Facebook, Paul is saying. I don't know if you've seen what I tweeted just a couple minutes ago. But my present is difficult. You've ever been there? Maybe you're like, right now, I'm Paul. My present is difficult. Paul says, my present is difficult, but don't forget everything I've shared before I said that. I have learned to be content with everything, yet my present is difficult. He understood something. Do I understand what Paul is saying? Do I get this? Because I'm going to be very honest. When my present is difficult, I don't know if I really have contentment in my heart. I scream a little louder at the kids. 
I get a little bit more frustrated with them. I just want to grab him. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to talk to my wife. I say mean things to my wife. Like, I'm not making this stuff up. This is real. Like, I walk away from my wife. I go to another room in my house. Why? Because it's a, it's a present difficulty. And the Lord reveals that in your present difficulty, you lack contentment. You, you lack the joy. So what happens is, whatever your circumstances arouses and it becomes difficult, everything in you gives into it and you become difficult. I'm not calling any of you to come up here and give us an example. I'm telling you that I'm the first example of that. And the Lord reminds me, hey, when are you going to get it to be content with what you have? I told my brother the other day, I said, I, said, I, I, I don't know if it was a preacher, if it was some sort of motivation. Or God, I don't know what it was, but it was good. And he says, when you go to bed at night and you lay your head on your pillow and you're all depressed about your life or you're all anxious about your life and you feel all miserable and all kinds of things, he says, the way that I snapped out of it now and I'm better is because every night before I go to bed, I recognize this one truth. is that there's someone out there that wishes they had my life. And you could have the lowest of lows, but you'll never understand that there's someone that looks at you and says, if I could just have what he has. So there is something in you that you could be, I'm telling you, content with. That you could find that there's a goodness of the Lord. And if you look closely, it's around you. It's there. It's present. And it's alive before you. Amen? Amen. And Paul reminds us this idea of being content. It's, it's not just a theory. Hey, I have this thought. Let's all be content. But it's actually, it's actually something that he lived. He says, I've learned how to be content with whatever I have, what, whether I have nothing or everything, whether I'm full or hungry, whether I have money or whether I'm without money, Again, church, I have learned in whatever state to be content. And this is how Paul could say, this is what Paul's saying, that his thankfulness was not based upon his own need. Even though Paul was in need, even though he was in a difficult situation, he was content where he was at, even if it was if I'm in prison. I want you to see this. He says, I have learned. Paul had to learn. How many of us need to learn? He had to learn contentment because it's not natural to this world. It's supernatural. It's something from God. It's from heaven. So where is it where we find true contentment? Verse 13. Let's pop it on the screen one more time. True contentment. He goes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul had the ability to be content in all things. But to achieve this contentment, he needed the strength of Jesus Christ. I hope you're catching that. And he says, I could do this in Christ Jesus, the one who gives me strength. So when I'm feeling all kinds of ways, am I really focusing on the Christ that lives in me with whatever it is that's approached itself to me? Come on, church, we need to be honest. One commentary says this, unfortunately, many people take this verse out of context and they use it to reinforce a triumphalist or super Christian mentality. Instead of seeing that the strength of Jesus in Paul's life was evident in his ability to be content when he did suffer need. It wasn't anything about Paul. It was everything about Christ. Christ strengthened him. 
So I'm not, I don't have to necessarily kiss that man's ring and bow at his feet because I could share what Paul shares in, and that is in the strength of Christ in my weakness, and I can find contentment right in that. So what does all of this come down to? We must learn in this life the state of being satisfied. Contentment means to be satisfied. And satisfaction doesn't mean gaining more in life, but quite opposite. We want to be content. We want to be happy. Then we must start in disciplining ourselves to find satisfaction in whatever it is that we already have. Come on. You and I cannot change or control the world around us, but we can change and control the world within us. You can't go to the White House and remove any man from its place, but you could go to this house and remove whatever does not need to be in there out of its place. It starts with winning the world. You can't change your family. You can't change the person that hurt you. You can't remove your father. You can't tell one another mother. You can't tell one another child. All of that stuff has to start with what's really going on deep inside of me. We live in a restless world. People are trying to find contentment in all sorts of things. But at the end, as they search on this journey to be content, they all fall short. 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul's letter again, he writes this. Such a powerful scripture. I'm going to read verses 6 through 12. Please listen to this. He says, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. So godliness but with contentment. You could be all the godliness you want, all the godly you want. Maybe you interpret godliness as religious. I don't, but maybe you're like, you could be all the religious you want. And as you are all the religious you want to be, if you don't have contentment, your religiousness is nothing. Your godliness is of no worth. But when you have godliness with contentment, it's of great wealth. Verse 7, after all, he says, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world. How many of you came into this world and like, Psh, I brought this with me, I'm coming out with it. No, when you were born into this world and the doctor took you, guess how he carried you? Naked. Bare. And that's how we came into this world. And he says, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, come on church, say the last part with me. Let us be content. But people who long to be rich, they fall into temptation. They long to be rich. There's nothing with being rich. There's everything wrong when you have a love for money, when you long to be rich. I just long for the Lord to be pleased. <laughs> but if, if we long to be rich, then we're chasing, we're chasing after something rather than after him. You see the difference? The scripture says that money is not evil. If a church has ever taught you, or a man has ever taught you, or a friend has ever told you that Christians believe that money is evil, that's wrong. We need money. And God's okay with money. And God wants to bless you with money. But it's the love of money. It's the chasing it. That's what he's saying here. He says this. He says, so if you have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich, they fall into temptation and they're trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and into destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people say craving money have wandered from the true faith. Those that have craved money have wandered from the true faith and they've pierced themselves with many sorrows. But you, he's talking to a, a spiritual son. He's Paul, an elder. Paul, warrior. 
Paul, a seasoned man with many experiences and with wisdom, tells his young spiritual son, Timothy, all of this to say, but you, Timothy, but you, Timothy, you are a man of God. Come here, church, lean in. But you, church, you are a man of God. You are a woman of God. And that's what Paul's saying to Timothy. You, Timothy, you're a man of God. So you run from all these evil things. You pursue righteousness and a godly life. Along with faith and love and perseverance and gentleness. And then he says in verse 12, you fight the good fight for the true faith and you hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you into, which you have declared so well before so many witnesses. How good is it to build this tower and yet you destroy it at the end? Before, Like if you're building your life before so many people, finish it well. Don't be another number, another person that's done wrong. Oh, did you see what that person got caught? Finish strong. Finish well. You could say, what is your vision in ministry? What is your vision in marriage? What is your vision, regal, in fatherhood? What is your vision as a Christian? I can't give you three points and a closing. I could give you one statement. My vision is to finish well and let my perseverance and my testimony of perseverance and faithfulness, let it go down to the grave and let it give God honor in my resurrection. Let me finish well. See, contentment, as I'm reading all these verses, as Paul speaks to Timothy and as I'm speaking to you, it doesn't mean, hey, okay, I have to be content. I'm just going to be lazy. And it doesn't mean complacency. Because I do challenge you today, come on, serve the Lord. Get involved. If it's here, right here, we could help you try to get involved. If you could get connected to something else, we've gotten connected with, with different things, even to try to plug you guys into certain stuff whether it's safe families, whether it's love life, we're trying, to, we're trying to stir something in the church to say get involved, serve God well, amen? Contentment. So here's some things. Contentment will be in finding him rather than chasing perishing things. Number one, you should write this down. Find contentment in submitting to our sovereign Lord. Everyone say submitting. Yeah, that's a whole other preaching. But we won't do that today. Number two, find contentment in serving our worthy Lord. Everyone say serving. Contentment in submitting to my sovereign Lord. I have to submit to his sovereignty. I don't understand, but he does. I need to serve a worthy Lord. I'm no, of no worth. He's my worth. I serve his worth. He's worthy. Number three, find contentment in trusting our sufficient Lord. It's his sufficiency that I have to trust in. The sovereignty, sufficiency, and worthiness of our God. How many of you can say amen? amen? In that I submit, serve, and trust in. All right. So I want to share something, and I'm going to start wrapping this up. Remember, that there's two more close-ups, but. And here it is. I want to share something. And it's a legend, and I read this, and I said, this is going to be great for my message. So I saved it for today. It says this, legend has it that a wealthy merchant during Paul's day had heard about the apostle and had become so fascinated that he determined to visit him. Paul, the very same man that wrote these verses that we just read. 
So he was determined to visit Paul. He was fascinated by Paul. So when passing through Rome, he got in touch with Timothy and he arranged an interview with Paul, the prisoner. Stepping into his cell, the merchant was surprised to find the apostle looking rather old and physically frail. But he felt at once the strength, the serenity, and the magnetism of this man who relied on Christ as his all in all. They talked for some time, and, and finally the merchant left. Outside the cell, Timothy was waiting, and he asked Timothy, he said, what's the secret of this man's power? Did you hear what I just said? He comes outside after visiting Paul. This is a legend. This is a story. It could be a true story. And he says, what is it about this man? What's the secret of this man's power? He says, I've never seen anything like it before. And what does Timothy reply? Did you not guess? Did you not figure it out? Did you not see? And this is what Timothy says. Paul is in love. You've ever seen someone in love? Oh, they act all kinds of ways. They act all kinds of ways. If a man's in love, he goes to play a sport, and you see him with his chest out because the girls, they're watching. I'm in love. Watch, I'm going to show her who I am. Or in conversation, we want to wow her. And, we, and, and, you know, as a friend of his, and girls, you know the same thing with your girls. You just look at him and say, you're acting weird. The man and women, what they do when they're in love. He comes outside and says, what is it about this Paul? Old and frail, but yet there's something about him. He says, did you not guess it? Paul is in love. And the merchant looked puzzled. He says, in love? As a question, in love? And that's what he asked Timothy in love and Timothy said yes Paul is in love with Jesus Christ and the merchant looked even more bewildered what is that all is that all he's just in love with Jesus Christ and Timothy smiled he looked at the merchant and he said this that is everything that's not all that is everything and that's the sauce behind Paul. That's the secret behind his magnetism. That's the secret behind his power. It's everything. He's fallen in love with Jesus. And that's why he's been faithful to the end. And that's why even in prison you've seen him filled with contentment. Because Jesus is in his heart and he's in love. So when I get all kinds of ways, I start to really measure my love for Christ. And say, is my lack of being content because I lack love for Jesus? Let that hit you deep. Let that hit you deep. When I treat my wife the way I treat her, that's not what scripture says, man, treat your women like. 
when I treat my son and my daughter the way I treat them. That's not what scripture says, man. That's how you should treat your son and your daughter. So when I'm not operating with contentment, is it because I'm lacking falling in love? That's all? No. That's everything. That's everything. Nothing else. That's the secret of contentment. To be captivated by Christ. As the sovereign to whom I submit. (laughs) As the savior who I serve. As a sufficient one whom I trust in. In every situation. I have so much more, but here it is. I'm done. Win the world within. Win the world within. Are you content? I'm going to ask you to close your eyes as we close up. Lord, you know every single person here. You know them when they're alone. And they're driving their car. And they're in their thoughts. You know those thoughts more than they even know them. When they're in the shower and they're relaxed. And their mind goes off. You know that mind more than they know their own mind. When they're in their bed. And finally they have quiet to process their life and everything they've done on that day. You know them right there on their bed at that very moment more than they could ever know themselves. My prayer, Lord, and I know it's your prayer, your heart, Jesus, is that everyone in here would be madly in love and come to know this love in you to then be fully satisfied with whatever it is that they have to be fully content to win in contentment because that love lives in them so this is what I pray that you would just shadow them empower them pour out on them I don't even know what words to use but Holy Spirit that you would do whatever it is that you need to do right now to really touch that person if it's one person today I know it's me so Maybe it's me and someone else that needs this word. To be satisfied with whatever it is that they have. Right there where they're at. That they would begin to win within in this this very truth, Lord. Come on, as you have your eyes closed. No one's going to think of you and look at you. But if that's you today and you could surrender it to the Lord. Right there where you're at. Right there where you're sitting. Can Can you just stretch out your hands to the Lord and say, Lord, I raise my hand as a symbol, as a declaration to say, I want to be content in my life. I want to follow that in me. I know that in me, maybe there lacks love for you. And because of that, Lord, I need to, I need contentment in my life because others around me need it. So, Lord, here I am, Lord, with my hands raised up. Forgive me. Here I am, Lord, with my hands raised up. Lord, wash me. 
and cleanse me, Lord. And Lord, I pray that whatever it is that I have, maybe to the eyes of others, it's, it's, it's nothing. It's, it's so small and significant. But Lord, allow me to see what others may see as insignificant the way you see it. And let me see it as such a blessing. Let me be satisfied, Lord, with everything and anything that I have. Let there be people that are around me that could hold me accountable in this honesty. Lord, forgive me, Lord God, for, for being miserable, Lord God. Forgive me, Lord God, for, for making others miserable around me. Because, Lord, we know that, Lord, we like to share that misery. And we know that misery loves company, Lord God. Forgive me, Lord God. I'm talking about myself. Forgive me, Lord, for not being pleasurable around people at times, Lord God. All because I lack contentment, Lord. Forgive me. But I know that you love me and I know that you grace me today. You fill me with your grace because you, I know, Lord God, that, that you know my heart and you know every single heart in here and you love them. And today your grace is sufficient for them. And today that your grace would be poured out and that we, me, all of us would fall so deeply in love. That we would be so satisfied that we would have this ease in our mind and in our spirit to become just fully happy and joyous with what we have. Because Jesus is with us and we're in love with you. Lord, let there be such a miracle and such a transformation in all of our lives, Lord. Lord, here I am. I, I, I want to scream, Lord. I plead. Start it with me if that's what it takes, Lord. I want to be the most content person in this world that others can look at me weird I don't care if it's to give you glory and honor I want to submit to you and I want to serve you well Lord God I want to surrender it all Lord God Lord here I am Lord I want to be like Paul that in whatever circumstance I am I'm winning the world within because I have everything and I'm fully in love with him I'm fully in love with Jesus Lord, let people become lovers here today, lovers of you. Let love erupt in here today. Let this be a thanksgiving like no other. What is wrong? You're acting silly around the dinner table. You're acting silly around the TV station. What's wrong that people could see, oh, oh I'm in love. My silliness and my, this difference that you see in me, it's because I'm in love. And I'm in love with Jesus. And that's why I'm silly. And I do it with a good heart. I'm silly. Because I'm so in love. And I'm so happy. And, I, and because I have content, bitterness is not coming out of my mouth. Let us not confuse people. Because we say we're, oh, I'm so in love with Jesus. But we're, we're bitter. And we're cursing. And we're mad. And we're screaming. That's not the love of Christ. Let there be peace. Let there be joy. Let there be pure and holiness. Let there be righteousness and righteous words that come out. Let Christ's love manifest. And, oh, man. I could pray for hours, Lord, about this. But we have to go, Lord. And I just pray that we would all be able to pray our own prayer. Forgive me for praying a very, I'm just being very personal with you. I, 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 oh, Lord. If you need to cry, cry. If you need to smile, smile. But I feel the love of God in this place right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. May every single one of us win in contentment. 
Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you, Lord, for such a beautiful day that you've given us. Maybe there's someone here that had no idea that this is what they were going to step into today. But I pray that as they stepped into it, that their lives would be fully transformed. That they would want more. If there's someone here that does not connect it, let them get connected right here and say, you know what, I'm going to keep coming back because I felt something. I heard something today that rocked my life and I'm going to keep coming. And I'm going to get involved with this family and I'm going to start serving this family. Lord, I just pray that over everyone here. Just do a miracle because we need each other. We need to do this in a healthy way, in a, in a very loving way, in a content way. Hallelujah. As we leave tonight, today, Lord, let's have a beautiful day and let this week be just a beautiful, powerful, content week that there could be a smile on our heart and on our face because we're, we've just figured it out. We're satisfied in all things. So, Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. It's none of this stuff, churches, of me. All of this is in your word, Lord, and I thank you for that because you're ministering to me. You're humbling me. You're breaking me. And I pray that, it would, that you would do that in all of us. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. We love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name. And together we say, Amen. Come on, give God some praise. So worthy. This is what we would want to do. We want to let you leave today. And I hope that you could smile on someone today. You could give someone a little tighter hug today. You could really, remember what Paul says, learn to be content. It's not a, a dust. It's not this weird thing that we could... <laughs> It's, it's none of that. It's just, in life, I need to learn. Take me through the process, Lord, to learn how to be content. So I ask you with this one thing before you leave. Walk out here today and just decide to learn every day how to be content. Learn. And may you fall in love. Amen? Guys, remember these three words. If you can remember anything else today, remember these three words. And no, it's no more truer than today. Church, if you know it, say it with me. One, two, three. You are loved. Come on, give God a hand one more time. He's worthy. Men, you may go. I'll see you guys here after Thanksgiving. We will have church on Sunday, so come back full. And I'll see you on Sunday. Make sure you give someone a hug. God bless you guys. Have an awesome Sunday.